of the great commandment. All right, turn in your copy of God's word to Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16. Hebrews is in the, your New Testament there towards the end of your Bible. If you uh, go to the very end and you hit Revelation, that's the last book. Press uh, the brakes and do a U-turn and a few books back, you will find uh, Hebrews. And you will be in the last chapter, chapter 13, verses 15 to 16, as we continue in our series called Unafraid. And exploring this pillar of ours as a church, Unafraid Witness, or sharing the good news of Jesus with uh, boldness. Now, those are our pillars, and also at redemption, uh, we have articulated the Bible's teaching of what makes an authentic follower of Jesus Christ in three W's. Um, this isn't just unique to us, but uh, churches in our uh, collective, the Great Commission Collective, have uh, helpfully uh, put this together as those who uh, uh, follow Christ authentically are those who both individually and corporately worship Christ, walk with Christ, and work for Christ. Amen? Amen. I mean, those of you who were in uh, step two just uh, a bit ago, did, did uh, uh, Pastor Cade and, and Eric, did they talk through those things with you? Yeah? Hopefully, yeah. Some of you attended, did they not? No? If they didn't, then we, we better talk about that because... No, just kidding. Uh, just kidding. But that's what that's is what a, a, a an authentic follower of Christ is somebody who worships Christ, walks with Christ, and works for Christ. These are the things that define our lives. And and I've been asked, and I think it's a good question. But we've been asked, well, why isn't witnessing a part of that? It makes sense. It even begins with the same letter. Why is it only three W's and not? Uh, for and uh, no doubt witnessing is uh, a part of the believer's life but here's the real simple answer uh, the reason it's not uh, its own separate thing is because witnessing is actually a part of all three w's uh, as a part of our work for christ we witness as uh, as ambassadors for christ as a, as a part of our work and the job and the responsibility, the stewardship of the gospel that God has given us, we, like uh, Paul charges the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5.20, is that we implore people, be reconciled to God. It's part of our work. And as a part of our walk with Christ, we are to uh, influence and uh, be the aroma of Christ uh, uh, amongst the people whom we uh, live and, uh, and work alongside. Just as he, Paul also tells the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 2.15, he says, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. And so as part of both our work and our walk for Christ, our, we are to witness and to tell people of the good news of Jesus. But this morning, I want to in, uh, particularly impress upon you this fundamental truth. If you're taking notes, you'll want to write this down. But here's the, the fundamental truth that we're trying to uh, hammer home this morning, and it is this. Our, our unafraid witness is first and foremost vertical worship. Let me say that again. Our, our unafraid witness is first and foremost vertical worship. It's vertical before it's horizontal. It's to the praise of God before it's uh, to, for the benefit of man. It's doxological before it's missiological. It's about God's glory before it's about someone else's eternity. And when we have a, a robust biblical understanding of worship, that it's more than just singing a few songs on, and it's more than just a, 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 an hour gathering on a Sunday, but when our worship is a lifestyle, it's in all that we do, giving uh, God the credit that is due to Him. 
of living a life of sacrifice, when we have a robust biblical understanding of worship, then it will lead to a robust biblical fearless engagement in evangelism. That is a part of just who we are as people. See, worshiping hearts make witnessing mouths and hands. When we are, our minds are fixed on Christ, then we will impact others. Why? Because we love the Lord and we can't help but telling others about it. This isn't something that we want to hide. And so I've made this claim here, but let me show it to you in your Bible. And so look with me, hopefully you've already turned there to Hebrews 13, and I want to read our verses for today and then we will explore them more closely. They say this, through him, that's Christ, through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. This is God's word for God's people. And so what do we say here? Our unafraid witness is first and foremost vertical worship. Acts of service are acts of worship. And these verses are very practical for us. We can read these and I think we understand here, uh, we who are saved, I think we can understand what they are calling us to do and not to neglect. But they are practical and they are uh, very helpful for us, really. In these two uh, verses, they lay out two acts of worship or two acts of service or witness that please God. And so as you continue to take your notes, here's the first point. Uh, Because our, our unafraid witness is first vertical worship, we are to be unafraid to always acknowledge Jesus. If verse 15 teaches us anything, it teaches us this, to be unafraid to always acknowledge Jesus. Now, the, the book of Hebrews here uses lots of Old Testament imagery. All throughout the, the book, over and over, the writer of Hebrews has this one aim, and that's really to show that Jesus is better, that Jesus is superior, that he is the fulfillment of all things. And so using these Old Testament images and Old Testament practices, he shows how they point to and are fulfilled in Jesus. Chapter 13 is no exception to that, and it uses the imagery of sacrifices um, in the preceding verses to the ones that I just read uh, to call us to holiness. And so using this imagery of the Old Testament sacrificial system, he is calling us to holiness in the same way that they did. And now these practices, these charges, these commands on how we are to live in regards to hospitality in regards to marriage and sexuality, in regards to our money, in uh, regards to how we submit to leaders and how we react to conspiracies and how we uh, eat even food. And really, in the verses before, uh, the ones we just read, he hits all the hot topics, right? You want some good, uh, you know, kind of dynamite uh, table conversation for lunch today? Just go read some of the, 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 the chapters here and get into all those topics, right? And you may, uh, you, you may have a great uh, uh, heated discussion uh, centered around the Word of God. But I, I love chapters like this, just for the, the simple fact that when people say that the Bible is irrelevant, it's just dusty and old and ancient and has nothing to say to our life, then you read a chapter like Hebrews 13 and you realize... No, it actually has quite a lot to say for, you know, October 18th, 2020, right? Has all kinds of things to teach us. And the teaching then culminates in this, in this chapter here, uh, in these verses that call us to come to Christ and then call us to uh, worship through Christ. 
And so look with me at verse 15 then. How does this begin? It begins with these two words that we can easily look over but are so important to our understanding that through him or through Jesus then we are to continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is lips that acknowledge his name. And so our unafraid witness is first worship because it happens only through Jesus Christ. Apart from Christ, we can't do anything, can we, church? What, is, what did Jesus tell us in John 15, 5? As he's using the, the imagery of the vine and the branches, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And what does that include in your life? Everything. Everything. Right, you're like, that situation, no, I can do this on my own. No, can't do that. Oh, but, the, but no. Apart from Christ... Nothing. We, as God's people, are completely dependent upon Him, including uh, in worshiping Him. We must be in Christ to do anything through Christ. You must have experienced the power of the gospel and be plugged into it to be empowered with the gospel. And we, can't, we really can't go for, uh, any farther in, in understanding what these uh, verses are calling us to. We can't be engaged in these kind of good works without asking the question, are you in Christ? If you will seek to do anything through Christ, you must be in Christ. And so to ask it another way, have you been saved? Are you a worshiper of Jesus? Are you in or are you out? Are you plugged in? And so what, is, what does that even mean for us? Well, we saw the helpful video that began at the, uh, right before the, the message here. But to be saved means that you've repented and believed in Christ. You've repented of your sin. You've turned from old ways of life, old sinful patterns, the ways of the world. You've turned from that with eyes fixed on Christ in faith. That he lived the life that you could not live. And he died the death that you were supposed to die as the just consequence for our sin and our offense against God. And by repenting and believing and trusting in Christ, now you can live through Christ, walking in newness of life, thinking new things, doing new things, speaking in a completely different way that pleases God and living with and for Him forever. This is what it means to be saved, and are you? And as we, as we walk this way, as we, as we believers then, as those who are in Christ, those who witness for Christ, those who've been changed by Christ, want to, uh, want to tell others about Christ, always acknowledging Jesus and what we say and do. And so to always acknowledge him then, through him, let us continually offer up this sacrifice of praise. That is, lips that acknowledge Christ. We, you, we, to acknowledge means to confess. And so we could change the point a little bit to alliterate it a little differently and to say to continually confess Christ. And when I say confess, not as we just confess our sin, but that he is the acknowledgement, that we give him credit in everything. In everything in our life, we, 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 we are giving him this sacrifice of praise. And so what is, what is he referring to here in this imagery? Well, likely he's referring to uh, Leviticus 7, verses uh, 11 through 21, and the Thanksgiving offering, as the Israelites of old would bring a, a loaf of bread to the temple and uh, to the Lord as a gift to the Lord, acknowledging his provision that everything they have, every, uh, all the food that they eat, they give him the credit that it has all come from the Lord. 
And it is so cool to see Christ in the midst of these things. Because what happens when we try to read through the Bible, right? We start in Genesis, that's pretty exciting. Exodus, that's pretty exciting. And then we get to Leviticus and we wonder where we took a left turn, right? I get stuck in the ditch. and This is some strange stuff. Yet even in Leviticus, it was where these, uh, these practices meant to keep God's people uh, walking in, uh, in His light, walking in holiness, offering these sacrifices and giving God the credit that was due to Him. And so uh, they would do this, and it's similar to how we give to the Lord, how we give to Him in thanksgiving, how we give to Him and acknowledge, God, all of this that you've given to me, it, it belongs to you. And so it is my great delight to come and give it to you, Lord, acknowledging that this is, uh, this is from God's hand. And so we get, I think, church, right? We get that these are acts of worship, right? But they are also acts of, of witness as we talk about God's goodness in everything and with everyone. See, not that we are always uh, talking about what we give or what we do, but as we are acknowledging God with our lips, as we are giving Him credit and confessing that He is God, this is what brings Him into the conversation, uh, puts His presence and acknowledges the Lord's work in all that we are saying and doing. And we do this simply, right? Always acknowledging Christ, it comes through just the simple expressions and conversations like, praise God. If somebody's sharing something with you or uh, an incredible story, you can say, well, look what God has done. As you're walking with somebody through a time of difficulty, just simply even acknowledging, well, we need to pray about that. Or that's a situation where, oh, yeah, God has to come through, doesn't he? And so it just comes out in the simple ways that we talk and respond to people in the moment. Because, see, here's the thing. We talk about what is important to us, don't we? We talk about the, what's important to us. If sports are important to us, we talk about sports all the time. If food is important to us, we talk about food all the time. If Christ is most important to us, who do we talk about? We talk about Christ. And so it not only comes out in the little conversations, but here's, here's how in the greater conversations that we have with people, whether they be friends or kids or family members, we always acknowledge Jesus even when we receive compliments. Compliments for a job well done, whether it's school or uh, children through the grades that you make or, or through a, a just achieving something. As you are receiving accolades and encouragement, you acknowledge the Lord's help, even as you give Him credit in the midst of those compliments. We acknowledge Jesus in, in the moments that we're struggling. As we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, as we are uh, grieving, as we are, uh, as we are walking through something painful or a sickness or an illness, we acknowledge Jesus even as we talk about the grace that he has shown us, his sustaining grace that enables us to walk through whatever situation you may find yourself in. This is a sacrifice of praise to God. You acknowledge Christ even as you're discussing politics. Hot topics like that in our day and age. And as you bring into the conversation the lordship of Jesus Christ, as you talk about uh, how he is uh, your hope, how he is the solution to all things in in this uh, world, that he will never be usurped, that he will forever be the king of kings and lord of lords. This is a sacrifice of praise that pleases God. When we're lamenting the injustices of our day, Whatever they may be, as you bring uh, the Lord's righteousness into the conversation, that vengeance belongs to Him, that there is a day we look forward to when every wrong will be righted, where every tear will be wiped away, 
where, where perfection and justice and righteousness will prevail because of King Jesus. As we acknowledge him, this is a sacrifice of praise, even in the midst of that conversation. We acknowledge Christ even as we're frustrated about COVID and masks and restrictions and all the, the things that surround the pandemic that we are in. And as we acknowledge the sovereignty of God over all of this, as we acknowledge his mission and how the gospel is prevailing even in the midst of the restrictions, this is a sacrifice of praise. This is a part of our unafraid witness that is first vertical worship. In our own life, as you are seeking wisdom from, uh, from others, as you are uh, considering big decisions, maybe about a job, a home to buy, something in regards to school or another purchase, as you acknowledge the Lord's wisdom, generosity towards you, this is a, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. But even in the, in the, the mundane things, as you're commenting on the weather, how many of us have been guilty of complaining about how cold or how hot it has been this week? But even as we're commenting on mundane things like the weather, we acknowledge him. It's a, we bring it to praise even as we acknowledge the Lord's majesty and splendor over all things, including the weather. If God would see fit to give us the temperature that he gave us today, then praise be to our King. Even in the fun things of life, as you're raving about a new restaurant you found or a new recipe that, uh, that you uh, just made, and, and you can bring the Lord, acknowledging Him in worship by praising God for His goodness, that He would create a life with flavor and fun and enjoyment. But even down to the hard times where you're panicking about isolation or you're anxious because of something, as you acknowledge the, the, the Prince of Peace, and how he gives to his children peace. This, this is an act of worship that is also a witness to those whom we are talking about. And we get this, we talk this way in our small group with one another. But church, let me just impress upon you that even these types of conversations are part of our unafraid witness to those that God would put in our life. As we always acknowledge Jesus in the conversations that we have and the people that we interact with, it's really a triple win because it pleases God, it's a reminder for our own heart, and it shines Christ bright in, in the darkness for an unbeliever. That's, that's the three times over. It is a win. And so let us be a people who continually acknowledge or confess Christ in all that we do as we grow in our understanding of who He is. Let us be a people who are constantly bringing Christ into the conversation. But there's a second act of worship that pleases God also from verse 16. So because our unafraid witness is foremost uh, uh, vertical worship, we are then to be unafraid to intentionally impact others. If you're taking notes there, be unafraid to intentionally impact others. And so I said just a bit ago that what we, talk, we talk about what is important to us, don't we? We talk about what is important to us, but we are also guilty of neglecting what is not important to us, right? How many of us guys in the room have things on our honey-do list that we haven't done because, quite frankly, they're not as important to us as they are to our wife? Right? We just don't have the time. We neglect it. And I'm not trying to heap on some guilt, but it is a, it's a pretty relatable experience, isn't it, guys? There are other things. We, we neglect what is unimportant to us on our job description or in, just in life in general. Chores of, you know, wearing clean clothes isn't important to us, then we don't do laundry. 
Please wash your clothes, by the way. But we, we neglect what's not important. And it's why he says it, because don't, aren't we guilty of this so often? We neglect to do what is good. We neglect to share what we have. We neglect to impact others because we're concerned with what is maybe more important to us and what, whatever is on our mind, whatever is on our agenda, whatever we had just set out to go and do, and we forget the people around us. And so to intentionally impact others specifically means here, uh, as he's calling us here, to do good and to share what we have. You might say uh, to not neglect gooding and fellowshipping. To share what you have is the Greek word koinonia, which is often translated as fellowship. And so I think it would be helpful for us to define these terms and what we are being called to do. This doing good or gooding here, good works, could be defined this way. It is simply this. It means to serve others for their spiritual good, often by meeting physical needs. That's what he's getting at here is to, when we do good works, it is simply to serve others for their spiritual good, often by meeting physical needs, ways that you can help and lend a hand and to uh, come alongside somebody else. And we are called to do these good works. But church, do our good works save us? Can we ever do enough good things for other people without no expectation of return back that would please God in such a way that he would uh, say, you know what, that outweighs the bad that we've done and he would save us based on our own merit? Absolutely not. But we who are saved, those who've been covered by Christ, whose Christ's righteousness has been credited to us, we then are saved to do good works, to be his hands and feet. But the second term is, is like it. If doing good works is uh, serving others uh, uh, for their spiritual good, uh, uh, often by meeting physical needs, here then is what sharing what you have or fellowshipping uh, really, literally means here. It's to share what you have for their spiritual good or other spiritual good, often by meeting financial needs. And so here's the, here's, here's the thing. Oftentimes we, we, we hang out with one another and we call that fellowship, don't we? We're going to end church here, and then you're going to invite somebody to lunch, and you're going to go hang out, and you say, man, that was some good fellowship. No, it's, I wouldn't say it's not outside of that, but really as you begin to do word study on this, and as you look through the New Testament here, you will see that, that this idea of fellowship often has a financial sharing of burdens uh, with one another. It's very similar to, you know, the stories that we hear. Maybe you've been the recipient of, like in our small groups. When small groups come together and pool together their resources to help somebody pay a bill, to help them uh, buy a car or get back on their feet. This is true, genuine, biblical fellowship. And it's these sacrifices, these acts of service or worship that are pleasing to God. And these, are the, these acts here then are what lead to evangelism. They lead then to discipleship. They, they are what, as we uh, till the soil with good works, then it opens up the soil to receive the good news of, of Jesus that then leads to discipleship. And I think this is helpful for us because um, sometimes we can kind of get these terms kind of confused and cross-wired in our minds. And as we mature in our theology and we mature in our understanding of the Word of God and mature in our application uh, of the holiness that God is calling us to, we must be increasing in our commitment to serving others for their spiritual good and sharing what we have with others for their spiritual good. And so let me just kind of sort something out in your mind. We've had the definition, there's good works evangelism then is sharing the good news of jesus with boldness discipleship then is is that uh, uh, intentionally impacting another intentionally investing rather in somebody for their spiritual growth 
And so we as God's people, as we live vertically, as we live on mission, as believers in the church, then when we engage in good works, it's like tilling the soil. And so picture a, a garden uh, in your backyard or something, and the earth is there and it's packed together. And as you come with good works and as you stick the shovel in the ground and as you prepare that soil, these are the, what good works do is they prepare and till up the soil to receive the gospel. And so that when it is ready, in God's, uh, uh, in God's kindness, as he brings them to receive it, then the gospel, the evangelism, is what plants the seed there in that soil. And as God would cause that uh, seed of the gospel to grow into faith that would bloom and flower, then we come alongside in discipleship and fertilize and help that flower bloom and flourish to the glory of God. And so each of these is a, a bridge. They're all connected, but we won't bear fruit. We won't see uh, the lost saved and the saved matured and the mature multiplied all to the glory of God if it does not start with these good works as we engage those uh, around us with the good news and share what we have. And we can be guilty of this neglection, can't we? We can be guilty of it, of not doing good, of, of not sharing what we have because we, we say or, or at least we think, well, if I don't have the, you know, if I don't have the opportunity to talk about Jesus right away, then I'm just not going to do it. You know, if this isn't like, if, if I can't just be open and get this out there, then you know what, it's, it's not worth my time. But I would submit to you that maybe you won't get to on the first time, but maybe you would on the 10th, maybe on the 100th. Maybe as you're there and helping people with no thought of being repaid back, as you're showing this, uh, this generous, outlandish kindness that Christ has shown us, and it is opening up the doors to a relationship, to an ongoing uh, 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 impact on this person by intentionally just showing up, of helping out, of meeting needs where needs need to be met. And so how do we do this? You know, how do we intentionally impact others uh, for their spiritual good? How do we share what we have? You know, sometimes we just need help. And, and the, the reality is, is that the opportunities are endless, right? Who God has put in your life and the skills that you have and the people that, that you know and the, the, the time that you have are different than what I have. And that's the glory of this. It, it is so wide open. But sometimes because it is so wide open, it is hard to just hone in and be specific about one thing, isn't it? And so here's just something that I've come across that I think will be helpful for us as we think, well, how do, I, how do I intentionally impact others? I'll just put it in five C's for us this morning. If you're taking notes, you'll want to write this down. The first C is to consider. Just consider who, who, God, have you put in my life? Who can I do good and share what I have with? Who, and, and so here's the challenge. We, it was part of our application from the small group uh, discussion last week. But who's just one person over the course of the next five weeks in this series? Who's just one person that I can specifically pray for and target to, uh, uh, to, to impact in a gospel way? And so just consider this. Pray about it. Think about it and then make the decision and see uh, how you can. And then here's the second. So you just contact them. Consider them and then contact them. Contact the Lord first in prayer. Be praying for them continually. Add them to your list. Make a, a reminder on your phone to pray for them in the morning. And then, and then reach out to find out how you can pray for them. What needs do they have? Walk across the street and meet them. Uh, make an intentional time to, to cross paths with them at work or on the job site or in school in the hallway. 
But consider who and then make contact. And when you reach out to find out, then here's the third seed, care. Care enough to ask, how are you? Care enough to just ask questions, to get to know them, and then find out what, uh, what is going on in their life, and then do something about it. Share what you are hearing and meet uh, the needs. Share what you have, whether it just be time. Maybe uh, they, they've been quarantined, and you can, uh, you can come and, and just safely and just spend quality time with them. Just listening, hearing stories. Maybe it's a talent that you have. Like mowing the grass. Or as one young boy who was in the service, in the, in, uh, the, the first service, he came up afterwards and he said that he's, can, he's going to start picking up poop for free. I said, like, praise the Lord. Young man. That's, yes, go do good. Share what you have. My address is 2127 Belvedere Court. Please come this afternoon and help me out. But the opportunities are endless. Care, hear what it is, make contact, and then share your time, your talent, or even your treasure to meet needs. Opening up the door, tilling the soil for the gospel, and then communicate. That's the fourth C. And just communicate with them. Communicate first that you're praying for them. Ask if you can pray for them right then and there. Share the hope that you have in the situations as you acknowledge Jesus in all things, whatever they may be going through. Just assure them of God's hope and help that he has an answer, a solution for all things. And so as you consider, as you contact, as you care, you communicate, and then after you get that one opportunity, then you're off the hook and you never have to do anything else with them again, right? Here's the fifth C, to continue. To continue, then keep on doing it through him, then let us continually offer up these sacrifices of praise. And so it doesn't stop at just one, but as God would keep the relationship there, let us continue to do good and share what we have with this person for as long as God would keep those doors open. And these really are like a series of doors. The good works are what open up the door to evangelism, which opens up the door to discipleship. You know, the the doors don't just typically open right up into the inner room and God just gives us these opportunities. But evangelism, being unafraid in our witness, takes time and patience and consistency and intentionality. But it is these intentional acts of service that are foremost pleasing to God. And I don't know about you, church, but do you want to live a life that's pleasing to God? I know I'm, I certainly do. I'm trying uh, you know, to live a life that pleases God. But these then acts of service, these acts of worship, these doing good and pleasing God, they are first vertical worship. And here's the thing. Let me just ask this question. Even if you do that, let's say you get years, even decades to do good and to share what you have with a person and they get to the end of their life and they never trust Christ. Was all of that wasted time? No, it wasn't wasted time. It was worshipful time. Worshipful time as you gave, as you made these sacrifices for the glory of God and the good of this person as a reminder to your own soul of the grace and generosity of the good work that Christ did on your behalf, of how Christ has fellowshiped with us and shared with us an eternal inheritance, the unconditional love of the Father, and a grace that is lavish and undeserving, so that even if people never, ever receive and trust in Christ, God is still pleased. And so here's the challenge. What is, what is one way today that you can intentionally impact an unbeliever 
for the Lord? Is there something that even before the day is out or to prepare for today because you know you will see that person in the morning? Is there one way today that you can please God in this way that your worship will continue beyond these doors? See, though our worship service, our corporate gathering here will end soon after we sing the song and we uh, proclaim to Christ that he is exalted over all and Aaron will send us off with a you are loved, even though our corporate worship will end here soon, our personal worship will not be over. We've gathered here to uh, come and to sing to the Lord, but we will be scattered then to evangelize. We will be scattered then to go and do good works. And just think of all the people that you and I collectively will impact this week who we will cross paths with, people that I will never meet, that you will meet, and I'll meet people that you will never meet. And, and, and it is, it, it is a, a, a wild web here of God sending us out for his glory. But we will be sent out having met, God, met with God together to be the aroma of Christ, sent out as his ambassadors, all to the adoration of Christ so that we can be unafraid in our witness, a witness that is first and foremost vertical worship that is pleasing to God. Amen, church? Amen. Let us pray and ask for God's help in it now. God in heaven, here we are. Uh, and even as we think about these things, even as, we, uh, 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 even as we ruminate just on the grace and mercy that you have shown us, Lord, and what you've commissioned us and called us to go and do and people that we are to be. We first just come before you, God, and just confess that, you know what, Lord, we have neglected these things. I have missed opportunities. I've been afraid of what people would think, and I haven't, I haven't done it. I've, I've been stingy with my time because I, 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 because I wouldn't get a gospel opportunity right away. I've, I've neglected to see these as acts of worship that are pleasing to you. And so, Lord, would you, by your spirit, by your grace, would you uh, compel us then? Would you give us opportunities and would you help us to take them even this week? Or help us to see people through your lens. Help us to see the opportunities that we have through your lens. Help us to see the resources that you've given us as, as, as yours, yours to be used for this purpose, for gospel purposes. Lord, we've received much, eternally much in Christ Jesus. And so would you help us now to even this week to live lives of unafraid witness that are part of our vertical worship. And so even as we sing now, Lord, would you put people on our mind? Would you help us to uh, be uh, perceptive to opportunities and then bold to take them? Thank you, Lord. Thanks for your help. We trust you. We walk in faith now. We pray these things in Christ's name.